Hello, and welcome to the Battle Line Podcast, where we have conversations on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Major Matt Satterley, and here with me is the dun da 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 National Director of Publications, <laughs> Major Jamie Satterley. How are you okay. doing today, Jamie? That is enough out of you. I feel like <laughs> my brain is existing outside of myself, and I'm just trying to catch up. <laughs> and then, and also here with us is our co-host, uh, the producer, the one who makes this entire thing work, the dun da 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 multimedia director extraordinaire of the national headquarters, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I am just so stoked to be here. How are you? All right. Uh, great. Glad to have you. And Jamie, you want to introduce our guest? I set the bar high on introductions. So yes, you will not get sound effects out of me. <laughs> I'm sure you're all surprised. Uh, yeah. So today, you know, you've heard us talk about camp before. Camp is absolutely one of our favorite, uh, favorite things. We will say that over and over and over again. I would be to camp all the time if they would let me. Uh, and so today we're talking with Ed Covert, who's the camp manager of Camp Redwood Glen. In da, the da, Golden, da, da. See, yeah, I got there you. you. <laughs> in the Golden State Division out in the Western Territory. Ed's also the National Camping Liaison for the Salvation Army. Uh, so again, as we've, you've heard us say over and over, uh, camp is such a vital ministry. It's one of the biggest evangelistic tools the Salvation Army has. Um, and so we're so honored to have Ed with us today. Hey, Ed. Hey, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, we, it's always fun when we do these podcasts. We have to remember Ed is in California, so the time change, the time difference is is extraordinary. So, Ed, for our listeners who don't know you, we know you, we love you, we've talked with you for years. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your family, uh, your, uh, how how you got into the camping game, as we talked a little bit before the pod started, and then tell us uh, like what does a national camping liaison do? Who do you liaison with? And then also, uh, let me ask you this. You're the camp manager at Camp Redwood Glen. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So, well, I've been uh, married to my beautiful wife, Marianne. Um, we have two, well, for, for 29 years, have two, uh, two daughters, uh, both grown and out of the house. Uh, youngest one just married uh, this February um, after a, a long journey through COVID. She and her her, uh, my now son-in-law um, just could not um, wait any longer. And he's um, Australian, one of those camp romances that found uh, its seed about six years ago and, and grew and blossomed over, over time while they traveled this distance whole thing. And he was finally able to get uh, away from Australia and, and landed here. And so they're so that's that's been a great journey for all of us, and I'm I'm super excited about that their marriage and my uh, oldest and, and she actually worked Claire and her husband work up at Camp Arnold in uh, Washington State. My uh, oldest daughter and her husband um, now married um, three years, and uh, they also uh, she works in the youth department at, in the Cal South Division, and he works at Camp Mount Craig's. So we've um, we've got quite camping a camping family, camp camping family, family, and yeah. Just really grateful for God's uh, faithfulness to my wife and I in bringing these great Christian men into the into the family. I I didn't have a chance to raise sons, so I'm grateful for the two that God has blessed me with. My wife and I we love to love to hike, love all all things outdoors. My probably three favorite things are surfing, fishing, and baseball. Um, and I'll take them in any order I can get them. So <laughs> all three at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's I me. Mean, my, my journey to 
into uh, camping really began at a pretty young age. My my grandparents uh, and great grandparents on my mom's side are all retired officers. And actually, interesting story: my grandparents, after uh, at the end of World War II, were well during World War II they were running the um, children's home and the USO in Honolulu after Pearl Harbor um, was bombed. When the war ended, the army sent them back to San Francisco with my mom and my aunt as little kids. And, and uh, my, my grandfather, right after the war, ran Camp Redwood Glen. And I've got some, some really cool pictures of my mom and my aunt running around the original dining hall. And so that's kind of a neat um, link to be able to, uh, to be back here at Redwood Glen at a place that has such close ties uh, to our family. When my um, parents were the uh, core officers at San Francisco Citadel, um, I was in high school, and so I had opportunity to be part of, of the ministry here at Redwood Glen uh, during my high school uh, experience, and then uh, came back during college to run the backpacking program here. And so I've, I've had some really great foundational experiences here at, at Redwood Glen. My journey as a camp director for the Salvation Army began at, at Mount Craig's at the tender age of 25, the divisional commander tossed me the keys to camp, and uh, I followed a guy in, Walt Caesar, who um, was a mentor for sure and a legend in, in the Western Territory as far as Salvation Army camp goes. Um, Walt had been at camp for 31 years, um, amazing, faithful man. And uh, so I had the opportunity to, uh, to be the camp director at, at um, Mount Craig's for about five years, and and then went, um, as the Lord would have it, up to Washington State to Camp Arnold for um, a journey there about 15 years. Um, my wife and I got married while I was up there. Our, both of our kids were born at Camp Arnold. And, and now it's just a wonderful um, joy and blessing to see my, my youngest daughter at Camp Arnold again. Um, she's the um, program and leadership development manager at, uh, at Camp Arnold. So... And then from, uh, from Camp Arnold, I spent a little bit of time in the Army's development world. And then um, God... And what, that's a, a, what a shift. What yeah, a shift. That's a, <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, whole nother, that's a whole nother story for a different podcast. Whoa. Um, but to go I, from camping ministry yeah. to development, that is, a, that is a clutch right there. Yeah. But I, I will <laughs> say that while I, I couldn't at the time really fully understand it, God led me back into the ministry of camp here at Redwood Glen, and um, I can see really his provincial hand of guidance um, on my life and, and how that experience in developed, development has really kind of helped me here at Redwood Glen. How long have you been, when did you become national camp liaison? How long ago did that happen? Well, I've actually had two runs at it. So um, uh, the, this last time I followed um, Curtis Britcher, uh, and it was about 2009 or 2010 when um, uh, Curtis, um, great guy in the Central Territory, if, uh, if you guys know Curtis, at uh, Camp Little Pine Island. And so Curtis was moving into some other areas of, of um, life and ministry at Little Pine Island and sent me a, an email. And, you know, he was ready to, to step away from it. And uh, I had done it previous for about 10 years. And I said, yeah, gosh, I, you know, I'm, I've settled into my new role here at Redwood Glen, so I think it's the right time. And so 
since about 2009 or 10, I think, uh, till current. And who, who, who are you liaisoning with? What other organizations are out there that you connect the Army to? Uh, well, primarily the uh, American Camp Association and um, Christian Camp and Conference Association, um, 3CA. But any other um, youth-serving uh, organizations with an interest in camp uh, will have a chance to connect with. And if they want to know more about uh, what we're doing in camping, I'm happy to, to share with them the, uh, the vibrant ministry that the Army has in camp. Before uh, before Jamie asks the next question, Ed, we last episode we were talking about funny things that happen at summer camp, and we were talking about romances that get started <laughs> at camp. So, like that, that's the whole covert family right there for sure. <laughs> you're the you're the walking example of it. And also, what I didn't mention last episode was with your daughter, guys with accents who come in from like Camp America program. <laughs> These English guys and Australians come over here and they have accents. Yeah. Woo! Like camp romance real quick. <laughs> for sure. Oh, see, it's pretty ironic that, that uh, one of my daughters would. So one, one daughter met her husband, Taylor, the older one, met her husband initially in service corps. And uh, then Claire uh, through camp. But my family will chuckle if they listen to this, that, that <laughs> both of them would, because of the position that I take during orientation about camp romances and, and the way I, I try to... Uh, to discourage them that it would, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Funny how that, that works out. Well. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say Matt and I are, uh, quasi camp romance. We started dating at youth councils, but it really, uh, kind of blossomed throughout all of our summers there. And then we did one year, uh, after we were married, we worked on year round staff. So we did a, a summer and a stint on year round staff after we were married. So it's fun. You can discourage all you want, but teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ed. So we've asked everybody the same question, all the TYSs that have been on here. And uh, anytime we're talking about camp, we ask people, uh, what is one of the like funniest camp memories or one of your just your favorite camp memories um, that you have throughout you know, all your experience at camp? We, we've heard some humdingers. Uh, yes. Ed, so it's whatever yeah, you, yeah. Got. you can, you can, we've heard some pretty, we've had, we've heard some that we've had to edit pretty heavily. So <laughs> yeah, well, after, you know, 30 plus years, that's a really tough question to kind of zero <laughs> in on, on, on the, the last one, because uh, I had a camper who stowed away um, on a bus and spent a whole week at camp. This is a, <laughs> I don't know if I have a, a, the time to, to flesh out the whole story, but suffice it to say that this uh, 10-year-old camper saw all of these other kids lining up to go to camp and decided he wanted to get on the bus with them. And it just so happened that um, the people checking him in on the bus were just counting the number of applications that they had. And there just happened that day to be a no-show. And so they had... They had 25 applications and 25 kids on the bus. And so away they came to camp. No luggage, no luggage, no, nothing. No you luggage. Just... <laughs> every, but every check and balance along the way, this kid found a way to, to make <laughs> our program director is calling kids off of the bus by name, right? Gets down to the last application. There's one kid left. He doesn't even check the application. Just gives the kid the paperwork and says, away you go. Kid gets to the to the check-in with the nurse, and the nurse discovers, well, I've got a 10-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl's paperwork. There must just have been a mix-up. <laughs> mix we'll sort it out later. So she does all of her check-in and, 
and away he goes to the next um, to the next station. Every check and balance along the way gets the, the, the little guy fella gets to his cabin, has no luggage. And as great a counselor as we had, the counselor said, well, I can fix that. Um, I, I'm going to, I'll go to our lost and found and I'll get all the stuff that you're going to need for the week. And we'll figure out where your luggage ended up as we go. The, the whole week goes by and the, uh, we load him up on the bus. We've never, still haven't sorted out the, the paperwork shuffle. We've just got these kids going and, and I'm, I'm a brand new camp director. So, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that there's not been any major catastrophes for the, <laughs> right, right, for the week. Right. Right? <laughs> load him up on the bus, gets going home, kid checks off at the, at the drop off. No parents there to pick him up. He's walking down the street going home and his uncle drives by in a van. It says, hey, where have you been? Your mom's been looking for you the whole week. So I won't, <laughs> I won't tell you what. We had, we had two media sources in, in, in that particular town, <laughs> one that loved us and one that, one that hated us. But um, it, was, it was crazy because I had, I had helicopters, news helicopters flying over camp. And you know, wow. I'm, I'm the first, first year camp director trying to um, navigate my way through this this crazy um crazy he pulled journey. it off uh, that's what's that the is, most amazing yeah. thing is he pulled Un- it off unbelievable unbelievable that's but so they, amazing yeah someday i may i may write some of these things yes yeah, some of these sure. things down <laughs> for um, sure yeah well you know what's great about it ed is like that kid he saw their kids jumping on the bus but like there's something about camp that draws people to it right like we want to send kids to camp and that's why i want to ask you on here today that's why we asked you on here is because can you just like i know after all the years of experience that you've had like how important there are people out there you know god bless them who don't think that <laughs> camp is that important right that it's just something you just kind of uh it's you know if you have time or whatever but can you just talk to us for a little bit like how important is camp to kids but that also how important is camp to like society, to culture? Like we talked last week in this episode about like there's uh, the the nature deficiency disorder kind of thing, you know, like people not getting out too screen focused, technology focused. So talk to us a little bit about that. Out of all the years, what would you say like how important is camp to kids? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up um, Richard Lube's book because there's, there's a, a concept in his book that has been really important to me in, in, in my training for, for staff. And that is, he says that we, we value the, the things that we can name. And uh, it's so important that when, when kids come to camp, that we know their name. They know the name of the staff, that they're seen, that they're heard. Um, and at the risk of, of overstating the obvious, I, I think camp is an an essential um, experience and, and foundational to, to creating a view of the world where every child has the opportunity to thrive. Um, it's a place of faith formation, social emotional development, new skill exploration and, and mastery. And, and why I say mastery, I think it's so important for kids to begin to feel a sense of mastery um, when, they, when they come to camp. There are things that I can be good at that when we talk to them about being made in the image of God and in his likeness um, there. And, and that God said, this is my creation is very good that there are things that kids can be very good at. And it, it's not just necessarily the, the physical skill of being able to hit an archery target or 
or sink 10 free throws or, or whatever it is. But it's some of the social emotional um, mastery over their own emotion and behavior and, and activities and, and actions that, that allow them to contribute um, uh, to community. So, so I think new skill exploration at camp and, and mastery are, those are really important elements of, of what a quality camp experience ought to provide for a kid. But then of course, fun and adventure. You know, if camp yeah. can't be loaded with adventure and if it can't be fun, we're in the wrong business. And so <laughs> these, these other, these other things are, are really, um, it's a place of, of guided discovery um, led by caring and well-trained staff. The, the importance, I think, to society and culture also is, is pretty unmistakable. When kids come to camp, they live and experience a community where they're loved, valued, heard, and seen. And it's not enough, though, if camp's only experienced in that vacuum. The life skills that make community work at camp have to be transferable at home and at school and in their neighborhoods. I, you know, I think the, the transferability is so critical for our society um, and culture because by it, we can send kids home as ambassadors of hope and peace and kindness. And that can change society and shape culture by making all of our communities more livable. I mean, I, I think our, our job at camp is to sort of gather and then scatter these little ambassadors of, of hope and peace and kindness, sending all these kids um, out and home. So, I, yeah, I think camp is, is critical to kids, critical to, to society. I, my, my hope and, and, and aspiration is that as we come out of this pandemic, that there's a, there's a new social contract that emerges. And camp can have a critical role in that, in, in shaping the culture. When we send kids home, from camp who are more compassionate, more empathetic, more caring, more aware of the, of the needs of others, and they can replicate the experiences that they've had at camp in their home, in their school, their community, man, that's, <clears throat> that's some powerful stuff. Can I, uh, can I drop in a question on you, Ed? <laughs> um, what, and if you, if you need time to think about this one again, it's okay, but what, do you have like a, a story of a kid that you remember that's like your go-to story to keep you doing what you're doing? Like, can you think of a time when you saw a kid just get, get it? And like that, that's your, whenever you feel sometimes like, why am I doing this? You think about that kid or that staff member who just got it. And that like fills you with joy and energy again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little fella that um, uh, came to camp, you know, the minute that he, that he got off the bus was just, looking for a way to get home, you know, was just really struggled. Didn't really know how to communicate well his frustration. And it oftentimes resulted in, um, you know, really inappropriate language, which we hear often and try to help kids, you know, work through. And, um, but more often than not, it resulted in some kind of physical um, altercation. And while it's never my my intent or my hope to send a kid home, at, at some point, you guys all know that the physical safety of campers and staff has to be first and foremost. And so we um, ended up having to, to send this little fella um, home. And it was pretty apparent when um, his parents got home that this was probably not going to be the great the greatest situation um, for him. But let's fast forward to the next summer where he was desperate to come back to camp. And the, and the core officer 
was unsure, and uh, but the parents were desperate for him to come, you know, back to camp. And so uh, we let him come back to camp on on the condition that we would have a chance to just kind of sit and chat a little bit about what what the week of camp was going to look like when when he got here. So we had that that conversation, and um, he's making his way through this next session of camp pretty well. And uh, we had another young man in his unit, another young man who was having the exact same struggles that he'd had the year, the year before. Again, resulted in uh, these kids forming a little, bit of a, a little bit of a bond. When we had to send the other kid home, this young boy from the, the summer before said to his counselor, I just got to go talk to him. I got to go talk to him. I got to go talk to him. Um, it was a pretty tough situation that, you know, this one kid had finally pushed all the buttons and had to go home. Counselor called and said, hey, can I bring him up? Because he really wants to talk to this other camper before he has to go home. And so um, the unit leader was really opposed to it because the unit leader had all he could take all this week from the, this behavior stuff and just wanted this scenario to end. But we agreed that it would be a good thing. Well, this kid came up and the empathy and the compassion that poured out of this young man into the life of this other young man is a powerful reminder to me of how transformational the love of Jesus can be and how it can move a hard heart to a place of of deep understanding of, of the needs of another human being. It was super powerful. That's what you said, Ed. I mean, that's it's an ambassador of hope. I think you said that phrase. That's a great. That's a great phrase. Great stuff. Yeah, I love that story. One of the things that we always try to do uh, as camp directors was positive character reinforcement. Because you know, a lot of times kids hear about all the things they do wrong, or you know, you we're fussing at them because they're not you know, just doing all these things. So one of the things we always try to do, we had a different, it was themed out every summer, depending on what our theme was. Um, but at the end of every day, we had some kind of knickknacks. Sometimes they were pins. Sometimes they were like, you know, those little jelly band bracelets. Um, and our, the counselor's job was to, you know, choose whichever thing they were going to get. And they all had an associated thing. So perseverance. And you couldn't just hand, you know, hand it to them and say like, here's your perseverance pin. They had to tell the, the child, what it was they did to earn that thing. So today I saw you persevere when you, you know, were stuck in that obstacle course and you just kept trying until you got to the end. And to see the the look on the kid's face when those positive things, and then you, they would begin to mirror it, right? With other like, oh, hey, that was really helpful when you did that or whatever. They, they begin to mirror it. And then you just see it multiply. Um, and it does, we always say, you know, camp changes lives. Uh, and sometimes I don't think we realize just how much it, it really does until we witness situations like that with that little boy. And then you, you kind of see like, Oh, it's working. Yay. <laughs> do, we have, do we have time for, do I have time for, to share one other sure. story? Yeah. This, this one. So backpacking, the ministry of, of wilderness experience has always been a, a powerful part of my journey through, um, through camp and uh, had a young lady up at uh, Camp Arnold who came from the hilltop of Tacoma, uh, Washington, which is a gang-infested, really rough, rough, scary place. And um, she got off the bus, and the minute she got off the bus at camp for this team backpacking experience, which I know for sure she had no idea that she was coming for that. She just <laughs> she thought she was coming to camp. 
as a side note, um, we <laughs> anyway, she gets off the bus, tight cornrows, looks like just maybe braided, spent hours getting it all done, loads of attitude written across her face. And we, we typically had a, about a day and a half of kind of prep and orientation where the staff could assess uh, the um, emotional readiness of the kids to go on a backcountry trip and see how they're coming together and, and all of that. And felt like this young lady, I, I just wasn't sure in my heart that she was going to be a good fit because once they get into the backcountry, extrication was tough. Yeah, trying you're to not, get them you're out. not easily, it's, you <laughs> yeah. don't get to quit it's, and go back to camp tough. that day. Yeah. And so we're getting, we're getting ready to go. And I, so I, I met with the camp director and, the, the program director for the backpacking program and his assistant and the medical team officer. And I said, okay, what's, what's your call? Um, the, ultimately it was their call. The program director's call go or no go, uh, because I'm not going to be the one on the trail with them. So it, it's been a challenge these last couple of days, but we really want her on this trip. And I said, okay, th then we'll go. So we leave camp and I'm driving them out and we, we have 20 miles on a washboardy forest service road just to get to the trailhead. So we're deep in the Olympic National Park on this, this trip. Beautiful place, we unload them, and I I'm, I'm, have a prayer with them, just thinking, wow, Lord, this is, this is either gonna be an amazing experience for that young girl or the worst decision I've ever made um, in, in camp. <laughs> so we prayed with them, and I'm, I drive out. Seven days later, I come back to pick them up, and haven't we have a sat phone hadn't all the check-ins were, were you know were we're fine so come back i get to the to the trailhead and get we get them all loaded up with their gear and all that stuff and i'm just dying to hear from her how this trip went because the cornrows are out the hair is all over the place it's it's just like <laughs> oh gosh i i can't wait to hear and it wasn't going to be long before i'd find out because she jumped up into the shotgun seat of the van so as we're right now, it's wash 40. <laughs> so for 20 miles out, can't really have much conversation because I can't hear very much. Uh, it's just noisy. We're rumbling along. Yeah. So we finally get out to the, to the smooth road. And I finally got up enough courage to ask her, so how was the trip? And I'm expecting to hear this expletive-laced tirade about what, what she'd experienced. <laughs> and uh, she just looked over at me and she said, it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Now, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm completely blown away at this point. I don't even know what the next question I want to ask her is because that's not what I was, I was <laughs> anticipating. And so I, I said to her, well, what was, what was so great about this trip? And on the trip, there's this mountain called Colonel Bob. And when you get to the summit, there's a scroll that you get to write, you get to sign into. And you can see all the way out of, Looking to the east, you can see all the Puget Sound, and, and to the west, you can see the Pacific Ocean. It's just spectacular up on the top of this. In my wildest imagination, never thought that she was going to actually make it to the summit of Colonel Bob. But she not only made it to the summit of Colonel Bob, she signed her name into the scroll. And she, so she told me that the, the thing for her was being on the summit of Colonel Bob. And I asked her, so what was it about, about being up on the summit? And she said, it's the first time in my life I've experienced a place of peace mm. but I knew that that peace came from the fact that she allowed herself to be this was a big girl and and part of that peace was allowing herself to be vulnerable with a group of friends and a group of leaders who she could trust 
to get her to a place of peace. And she got mm-hmm. up on the top of that mountain. Now, I don't know if she, if she ever, probably never has strapped another backpack on her back. But the fact that, <laughs> that this little girl from the hilltop of Tacoma, and I know that that, that sense of peace was the breath of God breathing life into her as she looked out over this stunning beauty. She's from the hilltop of Tacoma, where all she could see was violence and death and destruction. Now she's been on the top of the Colonel Bob Mountain, looking at just the, the grandeur of, of creation and knowing that, man, if, if God loves me enough to show me this, then my circumstances on the hilltop of Tacoma don't have to define who I can be. Powerful stuff. Man, I've got... I've got so many, like I, I have so many more questions I want to ask. So many more stuff, and we have to have it back on just to tell us camp stories. So, so uh, a couple of years ago, um, the Army had put out, I guess, some resources to help camp directors and things with recruitment and stuff. And I remember seeing one at this event that we went to, and it said, um, "Some, some, some people go in the woods and get lost. Some people go in the woods and become found." And so I think that's uh, when you talk about this young lady, like you know, she became found yeah. on that mountain yeah. and just the experience, what camp, what, what experiences that camp can do for helping you find, um, we used to call it sparkle mm. and find your sparkle, find that thing that, that God has planted in you. And all of a sudden it becomes, uh, your passion and you, you experience yeah. who he's created you to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a, yeah, it's powerful opportunities. Yeah. That's a soul awakening. And it's, yeah. it's such a, privilege to be able to be there when 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 that soul awakens and they want to begin the journey to to take steps towards jesus it's an incredible opportunities we have hmm. yeah okay so we're going to jump back for a second to um ca- uh, the camping liaison committee so for our listeners um you've heard now all of our territorial youth secretaries come on and talk about what's happening in their different territories the camping liaison committee has representatives from those territories to kind of help resource camps all across the nation. So can you talk for just a minute, Ed, about um, how the committee resources all the, the camps in the country, kind of what you do in that vein to make sure that Army camps are resourced well, but also running according to policy and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Um, I think my, my job as a national liaison is is largely to be the chief encourager of my of my colleagues <laughs> at camp. Yeah, there are, there are lots of challenges that, uh, you know, are, are um, in front of us. And um, but the opportunity is um, is great. So we, um, with the National Camping um, Ad Hoc Committee, really try to um, hone in on on what are the trends that we're that we're seeing in youth development. How do we um, interpret uh, those trends in a camp setting, and and begin to be able to provide um, best practices uh, for you know, for camps to, to look at and to, and to consider. We, we do make recommendations for, for policy consideration, although we're not a policy group, um, but we, we do make recommendations. And, and I, I think that they are, yeah, the, the committee is, is very thoughtful. It, it's full of experienced, passionate folks around the, the, the ministry of, of camp. In that, then we're, I'm also, I also take um, guidance from the, the committee and from the Youth Commission back to um, the groups that um, I represent the Army to. So when issues come up on a national level with uh, ACA, whether they're issues around accreditation or, you know, how do we 
uh, address social um, needs or societal needs in our camp programs, then I can interpret for these other national groups um, what the Army's position is uh, in camp and how we how we move that uh, forward. So with the complexities of the world that we that we live in today, <clears throat> that could be a, that could be a challenging job, but it, it's one that the committee uh, takes on with with great joy and, and fervor because we we just believe that you know that God has entrusted this ministry of camping to the Army and it's so deeply embedded in our DNA that it, it's our opportunity, you know, to lead well. And yeah, let me ask you about that, Ed, like, you know, you know, for sure, coronavirus really punched camping ministry in the ribs uh, last year. And even, even there, 2021, we have, are still, some places are, are struggling to get off the blocks with that. Um, and then again, we always hear about technology and all the stuff going on in the world that camp, some people would think that camp's days are numbered, that it's over. What, what, I we firmly reject that for sure that there's always going to be a place for camp for sure, um, but what has you concerned about the future of camping? The complexities of life growing up as a child um, today is really important for us to to look at. I, I said earlier in our conversation that camp, uh, if it's not by definition a place of fun and adventure, we're we're in the wrong business. So I don't think. I don't think we have to worry a whole lot about the fun side of camp. I mean, that's just, that's part of what camp is meant to be. So I think our, our focus for the future, um, and as we come out of this, we, we really can't just pick up where we left off. We really need to recognize that um, because of the complexities of life, kids have experienced this or and are experiencing kind of cumulative um, dosing of, of, of trauma in, in their life, especially largely um, kids that uh, in the demographic that, that we serve in the Army. Not all of them, but, but, but many of them. And I would say that all kids experience different doses of trauma, some small, some large, you know, and they, but they're all experiencing those things. And so um, with the complexities of life and this cumulative impact of the dosing of, of trauma, we've got to be really thoughtful about how are we offering programs for kids to engage um, at camp? We got to be aware of the mental health implications for both campers and, and, and staff going forward. You know, we can't be, I think, in our the responsibility that we have in our orientation and training time for staff. Now, it, it's more than, more than just teaching staff. Uh, these are all the program elements of, of the day in camp. We want you to yeah, we want you to be a safe facilitator on the challenge course. We want you to be aware of all of the different program pieces. But foundational to all of that, um, we've really got to make sure that our staff are, are well-trained, solid youth development people, that they understand the role that camp can play. Listen, I, I'm not a, a biologist, but I am convinced of the neuroscience that says in a week's time, people have asked me from time to time, how do you, what really makes you think a week of camp can really make a difference? Well, as I read the neuroscience, a week of camp can make a huge difference in the life of a kid, creating neural pathways that lead them to positive change and outcomes. But that, again, as I said, it can't just be at camp. One of the challenges for us in camp ministry, I think, is to be much more collaborative with the core and those people who are sending kids to camp so that as they have these 
positive experiences and we're, we're, we're tracking these neural pathways into a positive place, that when kids go home, that stuff is reinforced. It's continuing. So that the camp, camp becomes a place of, it's, it's almost a, a rite of passage. They arrive with a certain set of, of skills and experiences and responsibilities that their, their permanent community has allowed them to embrace or encouraged them to embrace. And they come to camp and they learn a whole new set of um, skills and experiences and are ready to embrace a new set of responsibilities to contribute more fully to their, to their community. And so when they go home back to their permanent community, there's gotta be pathways that reinforce and embrace these new skills and, and, and responsibilities. So I'm buying whatever (laughs) Ed Covert is selling. Like, I mean, it's core, core ministry is just as important as summer camp ministry. And there has to be that follow up when a kid comes home from camp. It's so easy sometimes to be like, hey, junior, did you have a good time? Let me take you home. And then we just almost forget about camp. But to 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 reinforce what Ed just said there is great to reinforce the ministry and the stuff that's learned, the fun and adventure, but the skills, the kindness, the health benefits, all of that stuff that comes from that. That's just so good, Ed. So good. Kids have to, they've got to practice um, regularly the things that they've learned at camp that make community livable and, and valuable. Um, so the other, I think another thing that is critical to us as we, where we can't just pick up where we left off is that we've got to be much more aware, I think, of the need to contextualize the gospel so that kids and staff understand that Jesus knows them and meets them right where they are. Uh, and this is not a... Um, I want to say this in the in the best possible way. In our in my journey through through Christian camping, largely in the Army's setting, we've had these moments of where we really kind of focus on this is the come to Jesus moment while you're at camp, and we've we've told kids that when you experience that moment and Jesus comes into your heart, everything's going to be great for you. And the reality for so many of them is that it is great in that moment. And while I'm at camp and celebrating it with all of my friends, it is great. But when I go home, nothing's changed yet. And we, we've got to be more about helping kids recognize that, listen, a relationship with Jesus is not about a moment, but it's about a journey, a life that you can live. And, and things are not going to necessarily change right away when you get home. But those circumstances don't define what your relationship in Jesus is going to look like. And we've got to contextualize for, for me, we do a lot of work with, with migrant farm kids in the Salinas Valley and up and down the Central Valley of California. For them, the Jesus that they want to know about is the Jesus that says, you got to take care of the widow and the foreigner among you and the orphan. Because as a foreigner among us, they're not feeling much of the love of Jesus. They, they really want to know, what, what, is that, what is that Jesus all about? <clears throat> for the urban kids... The inner city kids who come from the Tenderloin of San Francisco, when they come out, they want to know about the Jesus that talks about justice. Where where does justice fit? Now I've got all of these kids coming to camp at the same time. So just the Jesus, they don't need to know. They do need to know. But for me to tell them that the world's a screwed up place is not news to them. And that Jesus came to, to heal a screwed up place. That's not news to them. What they need to know is about the Jesus that says, hey, we got to care for the widow and the foreigner among us. 
They want to know about the Jesus who talks about justice and what does a shared humanity and justice really look like. And so our, our, our ability to lead kids to Christ means that we've got to be willing to walk with them where they're at and contextualize a gospel that, that helps them go home and experience that. Lastly, the other thing that's a challenge to us, I really believe, is um, the sustainability of camp, both environmentally and fiscally. I think camp has this great opportunity from a, from a, a creation care, an environmental perspective, to be able to be the model for the whole division and how the division as a whole could be creation care ambassadors to really have an impact in the local community. But then also fiscally, we've got to discover and develop new models of operation that allow us to be able to continue to, to fund the ministry that, that um, is, is before us. And I believe that if we're open to it, the Holy Spirit will urge us in the right direction of new business models. There's some internal cultural inertia that we got to push through if we're going to embrace some of these new fiscal models to make camp work. So anyway, that that's a whole nother podcast if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, I, I we see in most of our camps uh, progress, right? The community is slowly growing towards our camps. They used to be way out in the woods. Some of our camps are completely surrounded by the world now, like tall buildings, you know, just have, have just society has grown closer to them. And then of course, yeah, financially, um, you know, there's always talk about is, is this, are we able to financially do this? And we here at this group at the Battle yes. Line podcast are yes. always going to say, it. you got to find the money. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, this is an essential program of the Salvation Army. So now you got me preaching. So go ahead. You, you mentioned creation care. Yeah, it goes right into our, our next question. So uh, coming up soon, you're, I know you're going to be coming out our way to film some uh, videos for our teen discipleship program for Corps Cadets on creation care. So can you talk just for a minute about what exactly are, or do you mean when you say creation care and how does camp play into that? I think, Ed, too, because when people hear creation care, they kind of roll their eyes a little bit like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the environment. Like, I think it's just one of those many things that should not be polarizing, but. It, it has been, you know, because of political ideation, and all this stuff. So, uh, yeah. Can you just talk to us a little bit about what it what it truly means, why it's important for everybody and what can't what role can't plays in it? Yeah, it is. So, yeah, it's important, I think, to make a distinction between um, environmentalism and, and creation care. Um, environmentalism is far too often um, polarizing and, and politicized. Uh, I think that it is clear, for me, in my view, the world goes through cycles and rhythms. We just think back to the very beginning in Genesis. The very first thing that God did was to bring order out of the chaos, and, and he created this planet. So order out of the chaos. But his first act of creation was to, to set night and day, right? To create a rhythm in life. The, the sun to guide the day and the moon to, to, to guide the, um, the night. So God's original intent in creation is that there's rhythm to life and with rhythm to life on the planet. I think the best science would, would support the fact that our planet goes through cycles, warming and ice ages and warming and ice ages. There, there is all of that is a natural part of it. So there's no argument in that. But I also think that it is clear that, the planet now has so many inhabitants 
that there is some human impact that's adding to the impact and the pressure of this. And so I, I, I make the distinction that, look, this is not, it's not political. I think it's clear that, that God has created a rhythm and, there, and that there are some human impacts. And so from a creation care standpoint, I go back to the, the garden where God said to Adam and Eve, okay, look, this is your job to take care of it. I'm, I'm giving you, not only am I giving this to you to take care of, and so I, I take a whole different view about dominion and subdue, more to the fact that this loving creator has entrusted to us the care of his beautiful creation. And so our, our job, and then he gave Adam and Eve agency to name things. And like you know, Richard Lou says, we value the things that we can name. So, so creation, creation care for me, really is the birthright of all humanity. It's our job. God is in, he entrusted to us the, the, the care of the planet. And so creation care for me then is not just about the loss of the rainforest or uh, deforestation or drought or crop failures or all of those things are a part of it. But creation care is more for me like a three-legged stool. Um, and the first leg of that stool and, and, you know, a three-legged stool can't stand if any one of the three legs is broken or not, or not working right. So the first leg of the stool is our relationship with God. Do we understand God's, our, our place at, as being created in God's image, our place as being entrusted with the care of, of creation, our, our important responsibility to, to manage this relationship um, to God? Second leg of the stool is our relationship with each other, our shared humanity, recognizing the important interconnectedness that our relationship with each other has to do with our relationship to God. The third leg of the stool is our care for the planet, the place that we all have to live together. And if, if, if we recognize the fullness of God's creation and his desire for us, then, then we have a much better chance, I think, of, of being able to care. Because it, if we care for creation, then we, we are fully, God's desire is to restore his creation to his original intent, right? As Christians, we have this wonderful opportunity to be part of that redemptive, restorative plan that God has. And so why would we not want to be part of that, that, that plan? So anyway, for me, that's, that's in a nutshell kind of the creation care. It's creation stewardship. And when we talk about camp, uh, again, Ed, thank you for being on the podcast with us today. When we, when we talk about camp, it is the stewardship of the generation coming behind us, just as much as it is taking care of what God has entrusted us with. If you want to learn more about creation care, you'll want to catch Ed on our Core Cadet videos, our bold Core Cadet videos that will come out well, December 2022, but there's some <laughs> books and stuff you can read ahead of time if you want that. Our last question, uh, Major Jamie, you want to ask this one we'll ask everybody? Yes. So this is our question that we wrap up every episode with. What is giving you joy? What is giving you joy? Matt, you want to go first this week? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say uh, that I, I don't mean to be a homer, but I'm just going to say the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup back to back years. Again, like hockey, I watch hockey occasionally. I'm not a huge fan, but I definitely watch as much of the playoffs as I can. And to see Tampa Bay win it again, I'm like, all right, let's go. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, for those I'm updating from what, two weeks ago, Italy won the Euro Cup yesterday for those 
uh, English fans out there who are heartbroken. Sorry. It was today. a great game though, and then it came out came out to that shootout at the end. Uh, it was heartbreaking, a heartbreaking finish for England, but congratulations, Italy. How about you, Elizabeth? What's giving you joy today? It has got to be the new BTS song, Permission to Dance. This one's called This one's called Permission, Permission to, dance. to Dance. Yes. Check out the video. It's a smash. Yeah. <laughs> how about how about you, Ed? What's uh what's giving you joy right now? Yeah, seeing so many camps back open and and yeah, safely providing a great experiences and, and encounters with Jesus for, for kids and staff. Um, and then I mean I gotta I gotta say living on the central coast of California um, always gives me joy. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Major Jamie. Rat, your last one. Yeah. So mine is a future joy, not a not a joy of this past week. But uh, my kids have been on, at camp all summer long. They've been at music camp for. By the time we pick them up, it'll have been five weeks. Uh, and so uh, this weekend, I get to pick up my babies, and I am so excited. Now they may not be. Uh, they may be like, this is not giving us joy. We want to stay at camp, knowing them. Uh, I having to go to camp and then leave is not my joy, but being able to be reunited with my kids and to hear what I know that this summer has made such an impact on them, all the things they've been through in the past year to get to be at camp um, and to experience, you know, the outdoors, the music education and all those things, being with other peers again. Uh, so I'm so excited to see the impact that camp has had on their life. Um, and really, this mom is just very excited to hug, hug her little ones, have them close to me again. We want to say thank you again so much to Ed Covert for our, uh, not just what you do at Redwood Glen, Ed, but what you do for the Salvation Army across the nation and the camping ministry that happens in all 42 plus of our camps. If you want to get in touch with Ed, you can hit him up on his email, I'm sure, or reach out to us and we can give you his email address. There, uh, Any camp manager, ideally any camp manager would be able to run it up the chain to Ed. But again, we're, Ed, we're so grateful for your ministry, so grateful for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. Um, especially when you come and talk to us about creation care. That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. Be sure to, number one, send your kids to camp. Two, be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line Podcast wherever you listen. And check out the Peer website at peermag.org or follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. And lastly, we have a sister podcast, which again, I mentioned last week, Elizabeth and Major Jamie are two-timing us on with this other podcast, but be sure to check out our sister podcast, the fight for good as well. Until next time, this has been the paddle battle line podcast. Thanks again, Ed. God bless. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye.